John Glenn learned a lot. John Glenn was a very smart man. John Glenn learned how to fly fighter jets. He flew 59 missions in World War II and 90 missions in the Korean War. John Glenn learned how to fly very fast, didn't he? John Glenn was the first person to fly at supersonic speed. John Glenn learned how to fly in outer space, you recall. In 1962, he was the first American to orbit the earth. John Glenn learned how to win elections. He served as United States Senator from the Buckeye State of Ohio from 1974 to 1999. John Glenn, an all-American hero, John Glenn learned so much in his life. But there's one thing John Glenn never learned. Did you know that? John Glenn never learned what? John Glenn never learned how to say goodbye. John and his wife Annie just hated saying goodbye. And so they developed a code. Whenever John Glenn would leave, he would say, I'm going down to the store to buy some gum. And Annie would say, don't be long. And John Glenn would go to Korea or Germany or to outer space. John and Annie Glenn hated to say Goodbye. And we can't blame them, right? No one likes to say goodbye. Not the wife of an astronaut. Not a mother of a preschool child. Not the father of the bride. And not the wife at the funeral home. As a pastor, I have seen these heartbreaking Scenes far too often. Loved ones saying goodbye as they break down and cry over the casket. No one likes saying goodbye. Because goodbye leaves us what? Alone, alone, alone when we eat and alone when we sleep and alone maybe even when we die. And no one wants to be alone. And Micah has something to say about our deep pain of saying goodbye, about this haunting anguish of living alone. So we start this Advent and Christmas sermon series on the Old Testament prophet Micah. You say, who in the world is Micah? And I say, I'm so glad you asked. (laughs) Micah. Micah, Micah, Micah. Micah is a compound of three Hebrew words. Me means who, ka means like, and yah is short for Yahweh, as in hallelujah, that would be the Lord. Get it? Micah 
means in Hebrew, who is like the Lord? And the answer is (laughs) no one. No one is like Yah or Yahweh or the Lord. And Micah lives in the great 8th century B.C. Why great 8th century B.C.? Because in the 8th century B.C., we have the beginning of writing Old Testament prophets. In the 8th century B.C., we have Amos, who's the first prophet to write a book. And then we have Jonah, and we all love Jonah. And then we have Hosea, we've got Isaiah, and we've got Micah. The great 8th century. Micah has something to say about being alone. My sermon this morning is called The Advent of Our God. Advent is, of course, many of you know this, it's a Latin term that means arrival. Uh, Micah says in Micah 1, 1 to 4, that, that this God that you know This God is going to come. He's going to arrive. He's going to show up. And he's going to deal with our desperate pain and fear of being left alone. So here we go. Micah 1, 1 to 4. Start at the beginning, right? First verse of the book. The word of the Lord. The word of the Lord arrives. Right? Advent, Adventus, he, he shows up that came to Micah of Morasheth in the days of. Now, the next part of this verse isn't going to mean a lot to any of us. Jotham, Ahaz, Hezekiah, kings of Judah, which he saw concerning Samaria and Jerusalem. Now, if you were back in the day of Micah, you would know that there was massive social change on the horizon. That during the days of these Judean kings, there would be an Assyrian juggernaut coming westward from Nineveh, modern-day Mosul in Iraq, and that Assyrian juggernaut is going to dismantle Samaria, capital of the northern kingdom, and Jerusalem. David's city, capital of the southern kingdom. During these days of Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, the Assyrian juggernaut will begin this westward expansion led by Tiglath-Pileser III. That's a mouthful. Just call him TP3 for short. That's in 737 B.C. for all you history buffs. Tiglath-Pileser III is followed by Sargon II. And then Sennacherib, another great Assyrian king, is going to come knocking on the door. And he is going to bring about this great social and cultural and national upheaval because he's going to come like a steamroller and roll over everything. Leaving people what? Alone. Micah talks about that. It's just seven chapters in his book. Uh, Micah 7, 5 and 6, he sees this dismantling of Samaria and Jerusalem. Uh, Micah sees neighborhoods being dismantled and destroyed, families, Uh, The social fabric, 
Uh, Micah says, everything is going to come undone in these days, but it's in these days, these days of this social tsunami that's coming by the Neo-Assyrian juggernaut that the word of the Lord arrives. (laughs) Micah knows all about the pain of being left alone. This social change Micah lives through certainly is analogous to the social change you and I are living through. And this is nothing new. Harvard sociologist Robert Putnam wrote 20 years ago a book called Bowling Alone. And that pretty much says it all. In America, of years past, people went bowling together, but now they go bowling alone. Because of this technological revolution we are in, we are increasingly living and doing life alone. Late last year, November of 2018, the New York Times came out with an article uh, called How Loneliness is Destroying America. We need to understand this. Again, how loneliness is destroying America. In this New York Times article, it talks about how 50% of all Americans in the last 12 months have felt at one time or another completely isolated. Another 13% say this, quote, zero people know me well. 45,000 Americans every year take their own lives. Why is that? They're all alone. 70,000 Americans die of drug overdose every year. Why is that? They're all alone. And what is the loneliest month of the year? You know that answer. December. Loneliness is killing us literally. For you, maybe you have relatives that don't live in Allen County. They might as well live on the dark side of the moon. For others of us, we have said goodbye, a final goodbye to someone we deeply love. For others of us, we have adult children. I have three. The standard line is, text me just once a year. (laughs) No, you know this song by Cat Stevens, right? The cat's in the cradle and the silver spoon and little boy blue on the man on the moon. When you coming home, son? I don't know when, but we'll get together then. God has a heart for lonely people. Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, God says, it's not good for man to be alone. So that's why Micah continues. 
The word of the Lord arrives during this great social tsunami, leaving people increasingly alone. So Micah says, you better grab on to this word of the Lord. (laughs) Micah 1 verse 2, hear you peoples, all of you, pay attention, O earth, and all that is in it. Here. It's one thing to say the word of the Lord arrives in the middle of all this chaos and darkness and loneliness. It's another thing to say, listen to it and claim it and pay attention to it. So when loneliness feels like an elephant sitting on your chest, press into God's word. Hear it. Pay attention to it. Claim the promises. Joshua 1.8. The Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Now I know, I know, I know, I know, we all get lonely. But we're not alone. Here, pay attention. Uh, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, God says, Never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Matthew 28, verse 18, I'm with you to the end of the age. Lonely we get. But when we hear God's word and pay attention to it, we know we are never alone. We have a constant companion whose name is, it's right on this altar, Emmanuel. God with us. The word of the Lord arrives. Micah goes on. The warrior of the Lord arrives. We go to Micah 1 verse 3. The Lord is coming out of his place. will come down and tread upon the high places on the earth. This place would be his holy temple in the heavens. Now, the best analogy I can come up with, if his God is in his holy temple in the heavens, that's a pretty fine place. Picture yourself in South Florida at the beginning of February and saying, I'm moving to the UP. You're what? Why would you leave, right, South Florida in February and say, I want to live in the UP of Michigan? Well, that's exactly what God is doing here. He's coming out of his place. He's coming from heaven to earth. Folks, it's pretty messy down here. It's pretty broken down here. There's all these lonely people down here. Why in the world would you come out of your place in heaven and come down to this chaotic mess? But that's the heart of the gospel. We can't go up to God. We've all tried. So God comes down to us. Operative word here, down. Down, down into this messy, lonely, broken planet. Who for us men, we say in the Nicene Creed, who for us men and our salvation came down. I don't care how low you are, you may be in the basement this morning, but God comes down. 
right where you are. And what does he do? To tread upon the high places of the earth. That's Old Testament imagery. For a mighty warrior, tread means I'm stepping on, I have authority over, I have defeated these enemies, and I am treading on the high places of the earth. The warrior of the Lord arrives. He comes down. Down to do what? Address every evil system and experience and memory that leaves us alone. So this should be really something. When he comes down, I mean. Uh, When the warrior of the Lord comes down as a mean, green, lean fight machine. Oh my, what's going to happen? He will be a bull in a china shop. He's going to clear house. He's going to be a mighty warrior. So the Lord comes down as a mighty warrior. Like this. Not what I would expect, right? Where are the nuclear bombs? Where's the army? Where's the political macho, right? A baby, a baby in a manger? This is hardly treading on the high places of the earth. There's some bewildered shepherds. Later, there's some magi. There's a 14-year-old mother. There are people who are completely at a loss to describe what it's like to be in the presence of Almighty God in a manger with some straw. Almighty God, you say, (laughs) doesn't look like it at all. This is the mighty warrior He's going to sleep and burp and cry and take naps, and he needs his mother. This is hardly the warrior of the Lord who's going to tread upon the high places of the earth and step upon all of the enemies. I mean, how's he going to do it? All he's got is swaddling clothes. There's no Superman cape here at all. But remember, our God comes down, down. And not only down into a manger, but he will go further down. And that is just as mysterious. That is just as perplexing. That's just as scandalous as a manger. Because if a manger wasn't low enough... Now he's pinned to wood. How is this now 33-year-old itinerant carpenter, preacher, rabbi from Nazareth going to tread upon the high places of the earth? Uh, You know the story. We all know the story. His countrymen left him alone. His disciples left him alone. Finally, his father left him alone. Eli, Eli, lama sabathani, right? My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? 
Jesus is left alone. Completely. He's left alone as he bleeds. He's left alone as he earns our salvation. Jesus is left alone, dead on a cross, all alone. And it is death, finally, that leaves us the most alone. Sometimes people mean well when they say something like, well, death is just natural. You heard that before? They mean well. Well, you see, you're born, you live, you die. It's it's the cycle of seasons. Death is just natural. No, it's not. And just so you will never forget this, I'm going to raise my voice just a little bit, all right? I won't be obnoxious, but I will raise my voice a little bit and say it this way. Death is not natural. Breathing is, belly laughs are, blue skies are, big hugs are, those are all natural. But death is not natural. Death is not in the original blueprint. In Genesis 1 and 2, there was no final breath, no final heartbeat, no final pulse. There was no final goodbye. Death is an interloper, an intruder in Genesis chapter 3. I mean, why would God fill a crib and then empty it? Why would God give a daughter and take her? Why would God give a husband and take him? No matter how we frame death, it never, ever feels right. And you know what? When someone dies, we bury more than just a body. We bury the high school graduation that never happened. We, we buried the grandchildren he never saw. We, we bury the golden years that she never experienced. Death is not natural. God's fierce judgment is what we see on Good Friday. Judgment over our sin and transgression and narcissism. First fierce judgment, then final grace. Grace, here's the mighty warrior treading upon the heights of the earth. Because you see, Jesus didn't stay dead. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 25 verse 8 that death is swallowed up in victory. Jesus lives, the victory is won, the warrior of the Lord arrives. It takes him a little while to get there from the cradle to the cross, but finally there's the crown. But Micah's not done with it. The word of the Lord arrives. We listen to it. We pay attention. We press into it. We claim the promises. The warrior of the Lord arrives to swallow up death forever. But we have Micah 1 verse 4. The new world of the Lord 
Arah. And the mountains will melt under him. The him, the Lord Jesus, when he returns. And the valleys will split open like wax before the fire, like waters poured down a steep place. When Christ returns, the new world of the Lord arrives. It's not destruction. This fire is a purifying fire. Sure, the valleys will split open like wax, and mountains will melt under him, but that's a purifying fire. Uh, Jesus isn't coming to destroy everything. He's coming to refine, purify, and what the fire doesn't purify, the waters poured out on a steep place will wash and cleanse. Fierce judgment first, but then final grace. We go to Micah chapter 5 to see final grace. The he, again, is the Lord Jesus. When he returns, shall stand and shepherd his flock. Get it? We'll all be together. There will be no more tearful goodbyes. And he will shepherd the flock in the strength of the Lord in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. They shall dwell secure, secure, fearing no enemies, especially the last enemy called death. For he, that is Jesus, he'll be great to the ends of the earth, and he shall be their shalom, their peace. You know the word shalom behind the English word peace, Micah's Hebrew, is shalom. It not only means the absence of warfare, it means that God's going to put everything back together again. And we need putting back together again. Just like Humpty Dumpty, right? His mom and dad and probably his maternal grandmother said, don't sit on that wall. Not a good plan. But he's probably 16 years old and wants to do whatever he wants to do. (laughs) So Humpty Dumpty sat on this wall and he had a great fall. Everybody said that would happen anyway. And all the king's horses, all the king's men couldn't put that darn egg back together again. That's what's behind the Hebrew word shalom. That God puts broken pieces back together again. And when we fall like Humpty Dumpty and we lose a job, we lose a relationship, we lose someone we love, it feels like life is in a bazillion pieces. But Micah says the new world of the Lord arrives. And in that new world is the Lord Jesus, who is our shalom. Isaiah's going to pick up on this too, right? Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. Isaiah calls Jesus the Prince of Peace, the Sar Shalom, the one who puts Humpty Dumpty back together again, finally. Because when we're all alone, It's pretty tough, doesn't it? People die of loneliness. You know that. I mean, literally. 
They just die. They just give up. It, it, life's not worth it anymore. I, I'm just going to keep quit trying. And so life looks like a broken world. And then, and then, if you're anything like me and the rest of humanity, when you're so alone, you start thinking stuff that isn't good. You might start blaming people. You might do great harm to yourself. You might do great harm to someone else. But the new world of the Lord arrives. We wait for it. We wait for it. And when that new world of the Lord arrives, shalom will put it all back together again. That's the promise. That's what Advent is all about, right? Adventus, arrival. The word of the Lord arrives. It really does. Listen to it. Pay attention to it. The warrior of the Lord arrives to step on and trample and swallow up death. And the new world of the Lord will arrive. And on that day, We'll sit around talking about the good book, the good book, right? Even the book of Micah, right? We will talk about the good book. But goodbye? You'll know what we'll say to goodbye? We'll say goodbye to goodbye forever. And we've got a hymn to help us celebrate that promise. So let's stand and sing it.